You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Things have changed here since I was here last. Um, your steps are further away. Um, I did worry because I saw the sign exit as I was being led away. Um, but it is so good to be with you. Can we pray before we turn to the word this morning? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the enlightener of truth, and we need our hearts and minds to be illuminated with that truth. So we welcome you. Take these humble words and make them impacting according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. The journey was very long. And I wonder about your journey this morning, what brought you here? And I don't mean from your house to the church, but what brought you here, where you are in life today, why you are where you are, and what it was that got you here? I ask that question regularly to myself, how did I get here? And then I remember the journey the journey that started when I was 13 and I made a decision to follow Jesus. It's a young age, but it's taken years and years and decades and decades beyond that to come to some level of understanding that every step we take in the journey of life, God has been mapping out our path. And the incidents that happen and the moments that we take as incidental. When you look back, you see patterns and design and structure because God is not random. There is a plan happening in your life. When you got up this morning, you decided you were coming to church. You didn't just jump out of bed and run here. You had to make some preparations. You had to get bathed and dressed and maybe breakfast. And if you brought kids, bless you, that was hard. Um, <clears throat> all ours are grown up now and got their own kids to look after. And being grandparents a long way away, we just have the fun times with them now and we don't have to worry about whether we're doing it right. We just spoil them when we can and leave the rest to the parents. That's how it should be. That's the joy of being grandparents. You can spoil them, and then the, your children tell you not to spoil them, and then you do because you can. <laughs> and then you run and hide somewhere, and that's how it should be. But you made a journey this morning to get out of bed and come to church. And all the things that happened there, you had to eat, you had to have breakfast, you had to get in the car, you had to come. However you got here, it was more than just, I'm going to church. There is a journey involved in everything we do, including our spiritual journey. It's not just happening to you. It is designed. It has structure. And when you look back, you can see how God intervened in the journeys that you've been making to get you to where you are. And then the realization wakes you up that you haven't finished that journey yet. It's an ongoing journey. So if you haven't quite got it right yet, 
there's hope. If you failed God this week, there is hope. If you have not lived that you should have lived and your conscience is bothering you, there is hope. Because every day his mercies are new and renewed and you can engage in those. Are we there yet? That's the title I want to share with you this morning. Are we there yet? And I have to ask that question of myself. Am I there yet? And the answer is always, not yet. I haven't arrived. This year, Linda and I have been married 50 years. I was saved at the age of 13. The years have been very adventurous. But we're not there yet. And in a sense, we'll never be there until we are there. But what a journey. And journeys require patience. How many of you as parents have made a journey with your kids in the back seat? And you set up, you know where you're going. You've, you've got the whole thing mapped out. But the kids are in the back. And you, if you are parents, you know this phrase. You know it over and over. Are we there yet? And you turn around, no, not yet. A few moments go by. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Are we there yet? You'll know when we get there. So don't say it again. Then there's this lovely silence for a bit until you hear, are we there yet? <laughs> and it takes patience. Patience in the journey. That scenario may be familiar to many, especially if you have children and you make long journeys. That's very familiar. Are we there yet? Are we there yet as God's children? No, we're not. You're not there yet. But you're on the journey. And in the journey time are all the experiences and joys and struggles and hopes and dreams that you could ever imagine and far more than you could imagine are all in God's plan while we travel with him. Because we as people are incredibly impatient. We want everything now. If we can't get it now, we'll have it yesterday. Please make it happen now. I want it as I want it. And God's Holy Spirit says, be still and know that I am God. I've got you and I've walked with you every day of your life. I have walked with you. I've walked with you when you said, where are you? I've walked with you when you thought you were all on your own. I've walked with you when you had the biggest problem you ever had and you didn't know how to solve it and you had your head in your hands and I was with you in the driving seat. You're not driving your life. You're my passenger. You're coming with me. Be still and know that I am God. And let's be honest, patience is hard, isn't it? It's so hard to be patient. Hang in there. The answer is coming. When we turn to the uh, book of James, he's got a lot to say about this. 
because he pastored the Jerusalem church and he was uh, having a few problems. No, church doesn't have problems, does it? Never. There aren't, everything's smooth and easy. No. Church is a body. And that body, you and I, we all have a different thought on something, a different way to think about it, a different attitude towards it, and we have to come together under some kind of unity to make it work. And James, in talking and writing to his congregation, he starts to talk about these things in chapter 5. And if you'll bear with me, just let me share that with you a moment. Be patient then, brothers. Be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He instructs his congregation to be faithful and patient. If you listen to the voice, the unrecorded voice of human beings, you would not be wrong if somebody was reading that out and you sat there and went, so when's this going to happen? I want time, I want facts, I want details. When is this going to, the Lord is coming. I want to know when. I want to know how. And I'd like it to be in my time scale, please. Because, after all, I've got this one life and I want it to happen now. And James keeps saying, you've got to be patient. As a farmer waits, wait for the seasons. And we live in seasons and we don't realize it. The valuable crop that the farmer would yield had to wait for its season. When I first came to Christ, as I said, I was just 13 years of age, and I was told right from the very beginning to be alert and mindful for Jesus is coming and he could come today. And he didn't come today. Well, he could come next week. He could come anytime. Be ready. It was instilled in us. Jesus is watching you. Be careful what you do. It was quite judgmental. And as I look back over the many decades, I started to think, I was frightened into the church. I was frightened into what I did. Not meaningfully, it just was the season and the age in which I grew up. Don't you dare do that. I was told, don't you dare go to the cinema. Jesus may come and you will lose your eternity. And I thought, as I've grown, I thought, really? But they meant it, and they meant it for good. They meant it for my welfare. But what possible thing could I, you know, offend God going to watch Bambi, you know? <laughs> Don't go to the cinema. Jesus may come while you're in there. I was also told, don't make plans. Plans tell God that you are mapping out your own life. And as meaningful as my elders were 
in that day when I was just a young teenager and I lived by those rules fearfully and if I did now my father wasn't in the church and he would say we're going to the cinema on Saturday and I would go like this hoping and praying nobody would see me because I didn't want to get to church on Sunday morning saw you going to the cinema it was an era and they meant well good men godly men who looked after were looking after my spiritual welfare as strange as it seems now it was real for them then Just that one moment of fear started to create something of a doubt in my mind. How much God loved me? Was he my judge all the time? Or was he my father? Was he my friend or my foe? I, I didn't know. I was too young to be able to work it out. I just did as I was told. But of all things I learned, I learned to be patient. It's a long learning curve but I learned to be patient. In Psalm 37, David writes, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways. When they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And do not fret. It leads only to evil, for evil men will be cut off. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. It's about hope. It's not about fear. It's about hope. And when I learned about hope, I had a future. Because hope and future go together. They're part of God's structure for our, our spiritual growth. You can have a hope and a future. There's little future if there's no hope. And what's the point of hope if you don't have a future? They're beautiful twins who help you on the way. Putting our trust in a sovereign God. And his track record, I don't know if you've noticed, but God's track record is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Never, ever, ever, ever has he failed. If he fails you, it'll be the first time in millennia. Timeless time. He has never failed yet and he will not fail with you you may be sitting here this morning thinking I don't know where to turn I don't know what to do next I don't know how to solve this problem I don't know what the answer is but I can reassure you that that answer is already organized for you if you hear what he has to say he is our Savior, Creator God. Some of you may be still anxious about the events of the world today, and I, I get that. But we're told to be anxious for nothing. But you see, we're human. Yes, we're human, and we, we breed anxiety. We breed that kind of uncertainty about what next. But I can absolutely re reassure you that whatever comes next in God is good. 
We may have to adjust our thinking. We may have to adjust our plans, but they will always be for a better day. God is not going to lead you into something that is wrong for you. If you are a believer in Christ, you will have heard of the fact that Jesus is coming back. If you haven't heard it yet, well, let me inform you. He's coming back. Not in your time, or your plan, or your structure. He's coming in his time, in the Father's time. When it's right, he is coming back. He said, I will come again. Now this is the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Truth, the one who cannot lie. And if he said, I think I believe it. He's coming back. But not on my time scale. Don't go to the cinema, Jesus may come. He might have come, but I'd have been all right. I'd given my heart to him. I knew him a bit. But he's coming in the season that he has planned. If you're a believer in Christ and you are wondering about the second coming of Jesus and you've heard it for a long time, you, maybe that thought has lapsed your thought, I will resurrect it for you, he's coming back. But don't fret about that. Oh, well, I've got so many plans. We'll carry on with your plans. He's only going to interrupt them, so what's the problem? And there's nothing he doesn't know about you. He knows you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. He knows you inside out. He knows every thought you've ever had, every dream you've ever had, any plan you ever had. He knows you, and you're in his structure. I want to tell you a story quickly. <clears throat> Many years ago, I did some street evangelism in my home city of Cardiff in Wales. And it was 11 o'clock at night in the really bad part of the city where we used to go. And I was in what was an arcade. It's a kind of a covered shopping area. And I found myself, and there were the, the, the shops had deep um, entrances, like a long corridor, then a door. And I was witnessing to a man, and he seemed to be quite engaged in listening to me. And I got to the point where I said, well, of course, you know, if you give your life to Christ, you can have a new life and start afresh. And I thought he'd been, I felt that my words weren't falling on deaf ears. So I, I was quite confident that he was engaging with this. And I just said, would you like to give your heart to Christ? And he went, oh, no, don't want any of that. Literally walked away. And I thought, why did I feel my words weren't falling on stony ground? Why did I feel that? And as I was about to leave, deep into the doorway in the dark, came a voice. Is it true? I turned. There was nobody else in the place at all that I could see. And I heard this voice. Is it true? And I looked into the darkness and a young man came out. And I said, have you been listening? He said, yes. Is it true? I said, yes, true. He said, I came out tonight to commit suicide. I was building up enough courage to kill myself. And I was hiding in the shadows, thinking, 
I could do this. I can end this miserable life. And you stopped right outside and talked to that man. And I thought, is it true? I said, again, I said to him, yes, it's true. He said, if it's true, can it help me? I said, yes. And I think God knew where you were and stopped me where I stopped. And he said, then I will, I will take it. And I took him back to the church. I had keys to the church late at night. There were, I found my colleague who was talking somewhere else. We took him back. We prayed with him. Sunday morning, he was in church, put his hand up when an appeal was made and grew up in the church, my home church, got married and started to live his life. A life that was on the edge of never being one day older. But God knew where he was, where I needed to be, what needed to be said, and it had nothing to do with me because I thought I wasted my time talking to somebody who went, oh, no, I don't want any of that. But a young man who was about to end his life, God knew where he was. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, but the journey is exciting. Enjoy the journey. We're always going, oh, it'll be wonderful when we get to heaven. Make it wonderful now. Enjoy the journey. The Apostle Paul writes, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider it lost for the sake of Christ. Some things we have to hand over so that we can have the best. He goes on at one point, he says, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Never forget, he's got a hold on you. He's got you safe where he needs you to be and where you can relax and go, I know life is hard and things have been difficult and there are impossible dreams to fulfill and life just keeps taking things from me, but God never let you go. Be patient. He is coming. He's coming in his time. Until that happens, be faithful. He will be looking when he comes for faith. Will I find faith? Let him find it in you. I hope you found a place of peace in that. If you've never surrendered your heart to, to Christ, then you will live in fear for the rest of your life. I, I'm bold enough to say that. You will always, oh, I'm not afraid of anything. You will always live in the unknown. And if you live in the unknown, it's full of fear. You may not recognize it as fear, but it is fear. You will look at the state of the world and the way it's going and you'll be afraid for yourself and your children and your children's children. But if you're in Christ, you are under the canopy of a God who loves you so much. But if you're not, why not? Why would you not accept someone who loves you so much that he gave you his only son who took all the guilt and the shame so that we could be called children of God. And in Revelation, you hear these words, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. 
Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. In Christ, that's your destiny. So I'm going to leave you in the last closing moments with seven pillars that I have sought to put into my life and I recommend them to you. Whether you start with Christ today or whether you're in the middle of an ongoing journey, these seven pillars will always be good foundation. Number one, truth. Live truthfully. Number two, wisdom. Live wisely. Number three, faith. Live faithfully. Number four, commitment. Be a committed person. Five, love. Whatever else, love. Number six, honesty. And the seventh pillar, integrity. Be truthful, faithful, honest, and upstanding. And your life will live in the promises of God under the banner, I'm coming. And I'm looking for faith when I come. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.